Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. I have to tell you something, people. Uh, me and Joanne are flying out Sunday to go back east for Thanksgiving, and then we're coming back Friday. So that's about five or six days. And as you get older, you really learn that you don't have to pack a lot. So I'm already, I've already written down. This is how weird I am. I've written down what I'm packing, and it's going to be easy. Because I figure on, on Sunday and Friday, the same outfit, jeans and a t-shirt and a leather jacket. I can wash the jeans at Joanne's mom's house. Thanksgiving, Thursday, it's just me, Joanne, and her mom. Once again, jeans and a nice shirt. Tuesday, Monday, we're meeting friends for dinner. Boom. Jeans and a nice shirt. And then Wednesday and Thursday, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to pack a khaki, pair of khakis, and, and maybe, you know, another nice shirt and some sweaters. And I'm looking forward to it because I'm not going to worry about taking too much stuff because I'm not out to impress anybody. I want to look nice, but it's good. So it'll be a good trip. It'll be around 50, so I can actually wear a sweater because it's been so hot out here. So anyway, we have a great show today. We have a, a wonderfully talented person who uh, was on a few years ago, and uh, she is, she, it's so funny. Since then, you know, I met her because she's been married to a good friend of mine who I've known for years. I met her back then, and since then, she's like constantly working, and it's awesome. And my guest is Rose Abdu. How you doing, Rose? Hello, nice to be on. It's good to have you on. Now, how do you how do you and John pack when you go? John John seems like a guy who packs l- lightly. And how do, you know he he kind of overpacks. I'm so with you, and I I think that you have a better time on your travels when you pack light. When you pack light, I, I agree with you. You hard you don't really need that many things, and then it leaves you open to wherever you're going. You can kind of maybe buy something there or. You know, it's. I think that you're so right that my, I have a friend in New York that calls the two days you're on the plane. It's a wreck day. It's a wreck day. Like, don't don't wear it as something you really love and care about, because those days you're just spending the whole day sitting on an airplane seat. Yeah, especially when it's a cross country flight because we're going to Philly. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I, I'm gonna have jeans and and a shirt, and then of course I'll wear I'll wear my uh, heavier boots because I don't want to pack them. So I'll just take boots That's and right. bands. It's it's good when you get old. And you don't care, and you just sit That's there, right. and you're going. Whatever. I did that. We, I had to fly to New York uh, this last month. I went for. A, I actually got cast in an IKEA commercial, and I was playing the matriarch of a Latina family. And I came home. I was there for three days. I flew home. I had one day in between, and then I flew back to Washington Depot, Connecticut, for the Gilmore Girls Fan Fest. So it was like we had a big bag of stuff, and uh, and I said to John, "You got to take." Half. I, I made him take half his stuff out. Because I, I needed more room for my my gypsy stuff. And then you're and you're the you're the one who they're, who they're coming to see. John's just you know he could just wear jeans and a shirt and he's fine. He looked fantastic, but I said you only need a couple of nice sweaters, like you said. You really need like a couple of couple of pairs of jeans, a couple of nice shirts, and you're you're good to go. I needed stuff for like I wanted to dress as gypsy. So I needed my overalls, and then I had to have a nice dress for the cocktail party. And, you know, I think girls have a little more, you have a little more uh, things to consider. Now, you know, if, if people don't know, Rose was originally Gypsy in the original Gilmore Girls, and now they're repriving it. How did it come about that you got that first, in the first series? Was it a big audition process? And did you think, when you got that role, or when you were auditioning, did you think that the Gilmore Girl, Gilmore Girls would become a phenomenon because they have like people were going crazy when they found out it was coming back on you know back. I know. I, I, no one's more surprised than me. I mean, I knew that it was a wonderful show, and I, I always was. It was frustrating when we were doing the original ones that it wasn't getting its day in the sun. Like it just really, I would run into so many people and go, "What show do you work on? What is that? I've never heard of it." And even in the beginning of this reboot, people were like, well, what is that exactly? Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? There were so many people, and then it just got more popular and more popular. And I just, the Netflix is so great because I I was saying to John, it's the first time that people can kind of vote with their downloads of what they want to see again. And it it becomes like, you know how we've all had shows that we love, and then they go off the air, and you're like, oh, that was one of my favorites. But um, I didn't think that many people loved it and watched it the first time around unless I just didn't know about it but I think people discovered it in the reruns of ABC Family and then when it was on available on Netflix I know people that have watched the entire series more than once all the way through and there's seven seasons of it now, so it's kind of very okay. exciting well now it started in 2002 now now when you were first on you were on for like a few episodes tell the people what who who is Gypsy what is her character 
Gypsy's a town auto mechanic, and I think the, the whole entire show was on for one season before I appeared. And my first episode, I believe, was in 2002. Um, I think it was season two. I'm pretty sure. But um, I, my initial audition was just the scene with Ed Herman, the great, great, late, great character actor, and I was fixing a car, and it was just, I, you know, I decided to make her from an, a village. I decided to give Gypsy an accent and make her from a village just because I thought the name Gypsy kind of lent itself to that, and I wanted to set myself apart from the other people that were waiting to audition. But I really thought that I was coming on to play a guest in a one-day one day on the Gilmore Girls, and then slowly I ended up doing, I think it was 23 episodes over the course of seven seasons, or six seasons. I was only on seasons two through seven. And um, in a million years, I never would imagine that 15 years after my audition, my audition was November of 2001, that you would be talking to me about the highly anticipated Netflix reboot. I mean, it's crazy. Now, it really is crazy. Now, now when, when, they, when you were recurring, did they tell you, like after that first episode, did they say, hey, Rose, you know, we're going to have Gypsy back in another episode? Or did people just like Gypsy? Because I've heard so many times where people go onto a show and they do, it's supposed to be a one, one episode. And either the writer, maybe one of the writers sits there and starts to like that character and go, wow, we can put a little more into this or people relate to that character. How do you think Gypsy gained the momentum from going to, as you said, you thought it was going to be a one and done and to end up being recurring over all the seasons and then coming back? I mean, was it the writers who liked it or was it they liked you or how does that happen? I think, I think the creator, Amy Sharon Palladino and Dan Palladino, they, they wrote such the fabric of the town is that, you know, the townies make up the crazy, like blanket of, crazies that are Stars Hollow, the quirky characters kind of make up Stars Hollow. And I think they loved that, like, old-timey TV where character actors would reappear. Like, you would see, oh, there's the neighbor on, whether it's, I mean, these are my shows that I like, but I love Lucy or The Honeymooners. Like, you would see the same kind of people, and it helps the viewer sort of establish the reality of this little fictional town. I think they, they I, I know, I've heard them talk about how much they love to show, like, Babette, Miss Patty, Gypsy, and we just sort of, the town meetings are such a big part of the town, so I, I guess they, I was so grateful that they would write really funny one line of Dan Palladino, who was, you know, famous for writing Family Guy also, often wrote really funny um, Gypsy one-liners for me, and I, I really enjoyed that, but like other shows I've done, I did Scandal, and I was told that I was supposed to be in one, and the writer said that he goes by, based on your performance in the first one, we were like, this would be a fun character to write for. So he actually told me how I came to recur. And Parenthood, same way. I did one, and I kind of bonded with Monica Potter in the first scene that we had together. And uh, and they said, she said, I, I really, I think you should be my chemo buddy. And then I don't know if she told the writers or they had already planned that from the beginning, but both those shows, I was just supposed to do one. So I, I got very lucky to do a, a couple of each each thing that I that I've been in. Well, now you said gypsy you, you made into a character, like you wanted to be more like a gypsy. Now, where did you learn to do all your characters? You you went through Second City, right? Yes. And um, Second City, I remember my initial audition for Second City, they used to do an exercise called Three Through the Door. And you would just have to do the same scenario where you're like coming into a store, let's say, and do three three different characters. I, I've been asked this a couple of times, so I really started to think, why? how did I come to do different characters? And I think... I have an ethnic family. My father um, was born in Detroit, but his father's Lebanese. And my mother was born in the Dominican Republic. So there were people or relatives around me with accents. And I was I always wanted to imitate. You know, my family would take us to New York, and I loved the different accents that were so different than my flat Michigan accent. So I, I loved doing characters. And when I saw the way the Gilmore Girls was written, Gypsy just had a line that said, I missed my home. And I thought, why would somebody say I missed my home? I, I gave her an accent, and then to me, the character just came together for me. So, so, okay, so, but now the second city, what was that like? I mean, you were in there, you were in the touring troupe. I mean, how, how did you end up getting from second city to Hollywood? That, I, I love that question because I actually was with the greatest first touring group was Steve Colbert, Paul Danello, who's now a writer with Steve, and they did a great show called Strangers with Candy, um, Amy Sedaris, Ian Gomez, who's done a ton of character work, and he's now in Supergirl, Chris Farley, who everybody knows. We had the best first touring company, so we would travel around the country doing little shows, and then people would get replaced, like Chris got picked out to do main stage, and then he ended up on SNL. And But but mostly, uh, the, I traveled for a year and eight months with 
with Colbert and Paul Dinello and Amy Sedaris and Greg Holloman. And then in I auditioned for a play in like 1992, and it was a, a Neil Simon play, Lost in Yonkers. And I was so happy doing a play. I mean, Second City was great, but I really loved doing legitimate theater because I studied theater at Michigan State, and I did 25 performances with the performing arts company there. And so I'm doing it. And then my agent said, you know, there's this television show called Johnny Bago, and we want to put you on tape. So they sent the VCR tape. Remember back in the day with the VCR tape? Oh, yeah. And they sent it to Hollywood. The next thing I know, they're like, well, there's this director, Robert Zemeckis, and he wants to fly you out to Hollywood to screen test for this show called Johnny Bago. And I went, but wait, 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 I, I'm doing a play. And not only that, I don't know how to drive. So it was 1992, November, and I, I had to learn how to drive in three hour. It was supposed to be half hour lessons, and I had to take it in three hour increments because Robert Zemeckis was, um, I got cast in the show. I was the lead in this series called Johnny Bago. And they flew me out to L.A. And Robert Zemeckis had just done the movie Used Cars, and he would work with a lot of New York actors that didn't know how to drive. And he, they said, you know, the one thing that would be his really big pet peeve is if you don't have a driver's license. I go, no, 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 I have a driver's license. But I really didn't. I came from Detroit. I moved straight to Chicago. I didn't know how to drive. So I had to learn how to drive a patrol car <laughs> to be this ex-mafia wife-turned-patrol officer chasing her husband around the country in a Winnebago to be on Johnny Bago. So after I did eight episodes of that series, I said, I don't think I could live here. It just wasn't for me at that point in my life. So I went back to Chicago, and I would just travel back and forth. So when I finally decided to get rid of my Chicago apartment and just come here in November of 2001, I came here November 8th, and November 29th was my audition for the Gilmore Girls. So I was very, very fortunate okay, so, to land. So you were, you were going, because you, know, you, you, you were coming out here for work. So how were you getting the work before you moved out here? Was it auditioning on tape still? I was, uh, yeah, like I came, I, I got the Johnny Bago series off the VCR tape, and then I did eight episodes of that, and then I would fly back to Chicago, and I would keep coming back and forth for pilot season, and every time I came, I'd get some little role in a pilot, and then uh, I ended up just moving here in 2001 and, and started working on Gilmore Girls and That's So Raven at the same time. Now, didn't so that was really fun. Is there is there a not so Raven movie coming out or something? Or you know, some a friend of mine from grade school said, "Hey, I heard that's so Raven's coming back." I go, "Oh no, you're mistaken. It's Gilmore Girls." He goes, "No, uh, I'm pretty sure Raven's leaving the View to do that's so Raven." So it was just a surprise to me. I heard that she's going to be now. Her character's grown up. She was psychic in the first one. She has children now in the in the reboot of that's so Raven, and now they're psychic. And I said, you know, I would love to do it. as a, I would love to come back as a Spanish teacher. I did eight episodes of that just to teach. I said, someone's got to teach those new kids Spanish, right? So I, I'm very excited. I, I think it's going to be a, a, a show, not just a movie, an actual uh, episode, episodic show. Isn't that weird how it, uh, it uh, shows resurrect? I mean, it's like yes. you, know, you sit there and, and, to, and for you to possibly do, be part of two of them, I mean, that's like, that, that's awesome. Everything old is new again, Steve. It's, it's the craziest thing because both of those, they were a lot of fun to work on. And I, I have to say the kids that watch That's So Raven are now the age where they can run registers in different restaurants and, and stores that I shop in. And I, I get recognized more for that show than, than anything I've ever done. They're like, you're my Spanish teacher. Some kids actually go, you, I had you, don't you remember me? You were my Spanish teacher. And they actually think it was from their life. What is that like? What is that like? Because I heard when, when kids recognize you, and I've heard someone, uh, Eric Lang told me, he played t a, a principal in some show, and he was at a football game where his brother coached or something, and one kid recognized him. And then, you know, kids are, it spreads like wildfire. Then oh, yeah, another yeah. kid. And the next thing you know, he's like surrounded by all these kids, and, and he had to get like, they had to escort him out because these kids yeah. loved his character. What is it like? It's like, kind when, of fun. I mean, it's really fun. It happens a lot in malls, in a mall or like in, in the airport or anytime people are like in a line where they could spend a lot of time looking at you. But people are very sweet and they really, I just said, what was it like for people who got recognized before cell phones with cameras were invented? A lot easier. Because now there's a lot of pictures, a lot of selfies and they don't like it and they want to do it again. So I always go, let's check it out. Make sure you like it. So we have to do it again. I mean, I went back to Chicago with my family. I think it was Mother's Day weekend and I, we, I couldn't walk down the street. And it was like, it was really fun. Fun, but then it got a little bit like it's it, it's really fun. I mean, I, I I actually like it. The only time that I I don't love it is like if I'm shopping after like a workout or something, and someone wants a picture, and I'm I really don't even look like anyone you would recognize as being 
on TV. So I don't really want. I don't really want to always take a picture. But the people are so nice. I, I'm just very grateful that anyone liked my work enough to go. Hey, I saw you on that show. I always liked it. You know. Have you ever had something happen where you sort of felt uncomfortable? Like I know some people say, you know, someone's like, you know, they're eating and they're like. We'll take yeah. a picture when we're done eating. And they're like, no, you take it now. Has, any, has anything yeah, happened? Yeah, a couple we- of times, like, John and I were at a Mexican restaurant, and this family just stared at us through the whole meal. And they just kept talking. And then at the end, this woman just grabbed my arm and pulled me back. She goes, oh, you're not leaving until you take a picture with my whole family. And she had stared at me for a really long time. So if that was the only awkward time. The other really funny time was I was in the parking lot of that big boy restaurant on Riverside, the original big boy. And this little kid comes up to me, were you on that so Raven? And I said, Yeah. And I was all ready to go, yeah, would you like a picture? And the little kid goes, yeah, I did that show. So, <laughs> you know, Hollywood kids. You know? you know, maybe they weren't staring at you at the restaurant. Maybe they're staring at your husband's luxurious hair. Maybe that's it. He really does have beautiful hair. And he's had it since I've known him in 1989, and I'm jealous. When I met him, him, it was, I had the audition for Gypsy. The very next day, I went to Fake Gallery, which was Paul Kozlowski's really fun art gallery slash comedy performance space. And I met John Matta and his hair was past his shoulders. And he said to me, uh, you know, we made a plan to go out the first time I ever met him. And he goes, what do you, what do you got going on this week? I said, Oh, I'm working on the show called Gilmore girls. And I had never done the, uh, done the show. I just got cast like the day before, maybe two days before. And he just said, Hey, work my name in. Okay. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I tried the first, my first episode, I kept, Saying when I was holding the windshield wipers for people who know the show, I would say, I can't look at this car anymore. Mada. Just And the director was like, that's really funny. Are you saying some word that means like matar in Spanish is to kill? She goes, try one without that weird word. But I was really trying to just work John's name and that's the influence he had over me. I just thought that was so funny that he asked me to put his name in the show. Now, now when the uh, when the Gilmores, when it ended, did everyone know it was ending or was that a surprise or how did that happen and how do you... How does that affect you? Because, you know, it was a recurring character and you were in it for a long time. So you probably become very... Yeah, I think once the once the creators left in season six, the people that did season seven were not the original creators. And then it, I think we all knew during season seven that this can't possibly go on because these are not the people that created this show. And I think the writing was kind of on the wall at the beginning of season seven. I'm having a hard time remembering. But I, I remember thinking, like, well, I did 23 of these, and this is fun, but I'm ready for something new. But when they asked me to do it again, there wasn't even a hesitation. I, I, I was so happy that it was such a great group of people to go back to because it's not like, you know, I, I can't really think of a show that I've done, but I've talked to other friends who are actors who are like, they would not want to revisit something they'd done, you know. To, to re- resurrect a character again. I was very happy to get back in Gypsy's mechanic overall clothes and get back into the town of Stars Hollow. And I get to work with people like Sally Struthers and Liz Torres. And it was just really great to be back. And Lauren Graham is just really fun. And, you know, I was just hoping because I thought, well, if I, I, I was in certain episodes but not other ones, if they do only four new ones, maybe I'll get to be in one of them. But I had no idea I'd be in all four. So that, that really was special. So the new season, it, there's four episodes. Are they an hour? Or are they two? I know they're, they're seasons. Like they're right. Summer. They're ninety minutes each. So it's three. It's, excuse me, four ninety minute movies: winter, spring, summer, and fall. Now, how do they write into the fact? Is it that everyone's older? Like, do they sit there? I mean, it's like, do they wonder why Gypsy never went and got a job at Jiffy Lube, or you know, like, <laughs> like why she's That's such a great. That's such a great question. Like, time marches on. I think one of the cozy, wonderful things about Stars Hollow is it, it really doesn't change. You know, there's really, like, Gypsy still, you know, running the gas station, and Taylor's still running the town meetings, and certain things have changed, but certain things just kind of stay the same the way they would in a small town. Now, now I know you, you went on some Gilmore Fests or something, or what's going on with the promotion? Yeah. It seems to be, because as you said, it's, as you said, the Gilmore Girls are one of those shows that people never knew really what it was. And then through ABC Family, it started getting this momentum and people watch it. So now it's got a very big following. Um, and with fans like that, you know, they just, they're, they love their stars. What yeah. what kind of promo, have you been doing a lot of promo? What are these Gilmore Fests? I know 
John had mentioned to me something about you went to a Gilmore Fest. I may be calling it wrong. I don't. I don't know what the. It was. It was Gilmore Fan Fest, and what was special about it is it was just really not affiliated with Netflix at all, and it wasn't <laughs> for promotion. There was a, a woman named Jenny Whitaker who was just a huge fan of the show, and she has a company called Seedling Communication, and she's a PR person really, and she just thought this idea. She knew that Washington Depot, Connecticut, is the small town that sort of inspired Amy Sherman to create Stars Hollow. And she thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I got this town in Connecticut to sign on for all, you know, fans to come? And I think they sold like three hundred, you know, thirteen hundred tickets in like twelve hours or something. I mean, it was it just went crazy. And I thought that's the power of fans and the internet and and Twitter and everyone finding out about it. And the fans just wanted to get together to be with other fans. So slowly, I think the townspeople that came, like Sean Gunn, who plays Kirk, was there, and Liz Torres, who plays Miss Patty. I went, of course, Ted Rooney, who plays Maury, and um, Lane, who, uh, Keiko, who plays Lane, and Zach, the little band was in the show, Hep Alien, they were there. And it was really fun. So the town was so quaint and charming that it was really fun to have the townies be part of it. And there was a little town hall, and the, 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 we had a panel at the town hall meeting. There's a little shop called the Hickory Stick Bookshop. Could that be more charming and more Connecticut sounding? And I, I, I did a craft event because I sculpt miniature food out of clay. John, of course, is an artist, and he made little special gypsy magnets for me. I saw that. <coughs> so we sold cute stuff for the fans, and they had people designing amazing T-shirts. And, you know, it rained the first day, and people lined up with their umbrellas. And the line, they would wait outside for like two hours waiting to get just a picture and an autograph. And it was just the most rewarding thing to to know that all these really cool people traveled from like georgia north carolina maine you know everywhere just to be together and, and watch the show and and uh and meet us now now what what all went on there though besides the crafts and the selling first when did you start uh making sculptures of food how did you how does someone get into that it's so funny i actually got i think i got like clay in a christmas stocking one year and i was sculpting just tiny. I, I don't know. I can't work in larger scale. And I, w- I started sculpting miniature food. And then there was a gallery in Silver Lake called Juvie Gallery. And I knew an artist that, that had a painting there. And he said, you know, there's going to be a miniature show. So my my sculptures were adjudicated and put in a in a miniature show. And then people started asking me for them. So I, I, I sculpted. I don't know if you know the author, Gavin DeBecker. He, I actually ended up meeting him. And he, he, he commissioned nine plates of food. And I, I sculpt miniature food that's no bigger than the plate is about the size of a quarter or a 50 cent piece. So then I was made bottle cap pendants out of the, the miniatures and it just, it just became like a thing. And so when the Gilmore promoter was doing a fan fest, she said, if there's something you want to promote and Lane is an artist, um, Keiko, excuse me, who plays Lane is an artist. So she had an event. And then I think Kirk got cats adopted and, you know, Maury, Ted Rooney, who plays Maury taught workshops, acting workshops. And there were, there were like special get-togethers of like there was a panel where they asked us questions and there was a tri- Gilmore trivia and they showed the pilot and they had raffles and they had you know a hardware store set up a little table that looked like Luke's diner and so people could go take their picture in the window and people it, there were so many events around town I don't really know all of them because I was just doing mine but people had a ball they just really it was a really fun weekend in Connecticut and I hope they do it again. I, I had a ball. I would I would go again in a minute. The fans, they're the nicest people. It's like, they're just so easy to talk to and everyone was, they really know the show a lot better than I do because they would really say, you remember the one where you buried the eggs? And, I, and it would take me a minute to think about what are they talking about? Because it's been so long. Now, I want to get back to the food because I'm fascinated with this miniature food. Oh, okay. I, don't, do I can't you, believe I've never shown it to you, no, but I, I, I think I need to email you a picture of my miniature food. Do, yeah, do, I do you make platters? Do you make platters? Or, I mean, you said, like, you have a... Yeah, like the plate. The plate's the hardest part for me, so I make the plate out of clay, and then I make... Um, my favorite thing to make is a hamburger and fries. Okay, so... But so I make... Go ahead. Uh, I make... Um, I, each one is no bigger than... I think the plate's no bigger than a 50-cent piece. So I can only work really small. I don't think I could sculpt something big if I tried. I, I'm, I just paint. I just sculpt really tiny things. And then do you, and I, I'm, do you, it started where I was like watching television and, and, and I was on a diet and I wished I could like, oh, I really want a burrito. Or I really want nachos. So I just started, I had mindlessly, I was, had this clay. The hardest part is the clay is in primary color. So when I mix it together, I, I have to make it the color of like a tortilla chip or guacamole. So I made a tiny plate of what I wish I could be eating. And actually, interesting story, ties back to Gilmore Girls. I originally auditioned to play Suki, which is the part that Melissa McCarthy got 
and did an amazing job with. But back in the day, before the casting people that cast me, there was another casting company working on the show. I auditioned to play Suki, and they said, she's a chef who's klutzy. So I thought, oh, she's a chef. I'll bring my miniature food. And the casting directors were a lot more interested in my miniature food than they were in my interpretation of the role. So I did not get that part. But then they remembered me and called me back to play Gypsy. Now, do you think this will be the last hurrah for the Gilmore Girls? Or if it does well, do you think there may be some Gilmore Girls in the future? I heard a rumor that Netflix is willing to do more already. And they don't even, they, I mean, you know, we don't even know how popular it's going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be quite popular. It will all be up to whether or not Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan have the story, to, more story to tell. You know, I, I think... I think the door might be open to do more. I, I, that's just my guess. I'm basing that on nothing but my my guess. And I don't know. I was telling someone last night, you know, that our the scripts were under such tight, you know, security. Your name was really huge letters across every page. And I think there were decoy scripts because somebody asked me, well, do you know how the entire thing ends? And I said, I honestly don't. I have no idea. I don't know what the last four words are. I don't know what the final scenes are. I really don't know what happens in that final installment. Now, I'll tell you something. I, I did background on an episode of the Gilmore Girls, and I played a hot dog vendor. And I don't, oh, you did? Yeah, I don't know what month it is. They said, do you want to play a hot dog vendor? I said, yeah, I'll play a hot dog vendor. So I didn't really have hot dogs. I act like I have hot dogs. And it was in that park, wherever there's that Gilmore Girls Park. At, right, uh, the big, where the gazebo is, like the big town square. Yeah, that's in the, was, it yeah. War, was it a Warner Brothers? It's a Warner Brothers, right? Yes, yeah. yes, Midwest Street. They call it Midwest Street. It's beautiful. And, and we actually were sharing the lot with Pretty Little Liars, but I, we were like, hey, we were here first. I mean, Stars Hollow, that little chunk of Warner Brothers will always be Stars Hollow to me, and they just make it so beautiful. It was. It looks beautiful in every season. It was cool, and then they had a, the one, the girl was at a picnic table with a kid and talking, and my friend who was playing a jogger said, you can only see me the whole time. I was just talking to people walking by, acting like I was giving them hot dogs, and I'm, now I'm going to have to see if I don't, I, I think it might have been spring because I think, I think okay. the way I was dressed. And so. But I wasn't there? No, you weren't there. And I think Joanne, no, Joanne never worked at Gilmore Girls. You worked with Joanne okay. on The Grinder, I believe. I did. It was great. I was a judge and she was in the courtroom. Yeah. Now, now, what I was, like that show. What was it like playing on that show? Because I honestly, I'm, I'm. We were talking about, you know, you said about shows that get canceled. I was very pissed it got canceled because I found it very yeah. funny. And now, what's it like when you work with, you know, a Rob Lowe or a Fred Savage? And had you worked with Rob Lowe before? Because I saw him. I had. I did a show called Doctor Vegas with Joe Pantoliano and and Rob Lowe. Were Rob was a doctor and I played a pediatric surgeon. And actually, Joanna Kearns, who was the mother on Growing Pains, was the director, the fantastic TV director. And I had a big, long scene with Rob in a hospital where we were working on this tiny little, very realistic-looking doll baby. And I just remember both of us, like, squishing the doll's cheeks because it was the most realistic-looking doll. We were supposed to be two, like, surgeons working on this baby. That show got canceled as soon as my episode was supposed to air. It never aired because it was taken off the air. Doesn't that so then I see Rob on the grinder set and I said, I hope I'm not the cooler. Like, I hope I'm not. I hope having me on the show is not going to make it go away. And then it did. No. It's, it's those... But Fred Savage was actually my director. He was getting his, I think, directing training, shadowing a director on the Gilmore Girls. And he remembered, I, I met him and I told him what a big fan I was of Wonder Years. And he ended up being my director on that. So Raven and Two Broke Girls and Garfunkel and Oates. So by the time I did the grinder with him, I'd already worked with him as a director like four times. Now, as a testament to your character acting ability, what do you think makes it where you can go from playing Gypsy the Mechanic to, as you said, a judge on the grinder? And you played a judge a few times. When did you start getting these judge roles? I mean, when when did someone, I mean, how did they sit there and go, okay, you know, because you know how L.A. is a small town and people casting directors know you as Gypsy or know you as this. How do you, how does it come out that you and you've been in other parts where you played a, a fortune teller in a show? How does it come out? Like, does your agent say, "Hey, I'm going to start submitting you to play a judge"? And do you like playing a judge? Because I think I think that'd be really fun to be a judge. I think playing a judge is one of my favorite things I've ever done, and I think I don't know how it started. I know that I auditioned for um, to play a senator. I think on Scandal, and then I didn't get it. And then they remembered me and had me back to play 
or it was a lawyer. That's what it was. It was a lawyer for Grey's Anatomy, and I didn't get it. And the casting director for Grey's Anatomy remembered me and brought me back as the therapist. Then I auditioned to be the senator on Scandal. And then at some point in there, I had auditioned for, I think I did a table read of a movie, Bad Teacher. And they had eight roles. They needed someone to play eight different roles. So in the table read of Bad Teacher, I played eight different parts. And I don't remember what they were, but I'm pretty sure one of them was like a lawyer or something. The director remembered me. When the grinder came around, he asked me to play the judge. Jake Kasdan, he asked me to play the judge. Then I had auditioned for a senator. I was already playing a senator on Scandal, and I auditioned for Veep. And the people that were producing Veep remembered me, and they gave me the judge in Veep. So it, it just it was based on like prior work, I think, that either showing someone something in an audition where they, they were like, well, wait a minute, maybe she could do this. I've been very fortunate to be, you know, get in rooms. Um, to actually have the opportunity to show people that I'm more than just, you know, a foreign-talking Spanish teacher or auto mechanic. I felt very lucky. But I love being a judge because I love to have, number one, the wardrobe is so comfortable. And when there's pockets in the robe, you can put your candy in the pockets. And I like to sit uh, higher up than everybody and tell everyone what to do. And it the, couldn't be more fun. Those chairs, being are, a judge. those chairs are comfortable, I bet. Super comfortable. It swivels around. You don't really have to hit any marks for blocking because you're just sitting... And you get to bang the little gavel. Although the people, you know, the, those shows have always legal um, experts that, that tell you, you know, what happens in real life. And they said most people, you know, the banging of the gavel is something that's done on television for television judges, that it's really not done so much in real courtrooms. And most of the time, those gavels are something that was, like, gifted to the judge when they became a judge. Isn't that funny? Now, now uh, you know, you said earlier, you know, well, you had your training in Second City and you were leaving. You were going to leave to do a play before you got cast in, in Johnny Bago with the wonderful Mr. Dobson. And uh, mm-hmm. what, now, do you think that's why at this part, venture in your career, and, and and you've worked consistently for years, do you think those cross trainings, the Sirius and the Second City have come to a lot of, you know, helped out a lot? Because you do go from, you go more than most people from sitcom to drama. Like some people you'll see in a sitcom once in a while. Usually it doesn't happen with people in dramas, even guest stars. You know how that works. It's usually, you, yeah. you know, and the guest stars in comedy series are usually the same. And a lot of the guest stars in dramas, you never see really sitcom people cut across. You seem to yeah. be able to balance both, if it, but if, you know, you know. You Thank you. I never, I never really thought, I never really thought about it. I just, I love doing both. I really, I, I did, um, most recently, actually last night, an episode of Dr. Ken with Ken Jong and I had done a pilot with him called Spy and I just I just such a fan of his I mean I'm a fan of his from the Hangover movies but he's just terrific and Dr. Ken is a, um, a really funny show on Friday nights on ABC and I, I got to play a librarian on the show and it, somebody asked me yesterday you know do you like doing comedy or drama better and I said I, I really it, I'm torn I really I enjoy both of them I love the multicam because it is more like a, a play it's more like theater and I do like having the live audience there it's kind of fun because you get that immediate reaction for the line, so I, I think that if you said to me, you know, if you ever wanted to be a series regular, what would you pick? And I, I think it would be half-hour comedy. Now, what's it like to get back when you do when you do in front of you know the live? Because you had you know the chops, you know you you got your chops touring with Second City, and what is it like now when you come back and like you said you you re- tapes last night and uh, is Gary Cannon still the warm up guy? Do you know? I think I think that. I think he was there last night. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he loves Joanne. He always sees me. He goes, "How's your girlfriend?" He did my show once <laughs> in Joanne's studio. Never asked him how I'm doing. How's Joanne? How's I'm like you, pervert. Uh, uh, but uh, um, what's it like so now for you when you go back and do a live show like that? How do you get your timing back in order where it's you you can't step on a line and you did right. that so much when you were y- younger? You did the live performing. What's it like now? Do you do you get a little bit anxious, or do you sit there and, and rise to the occasion, or how do you go? When, when I mean, how do you put your game face on when you know it's a crowd and you know they love they love Ken Young, Young, and I mean, how do you get ready for a show like that when you've rehearsed? But of course, we all know rehearsing, you know, is different than in front of the audience. And what right. if there if you don't get a laugh? I mean, how do you put your game face on? Well, I, I mean, I find it I find it like. I mean, I don't want to be like, well, it's like riding a bike, Steve, but it really, it really feels familiar. So it's just like, 
it's it's the way I was trained, so I really love it. The only thing that I find difficult is I want to play to the live audience. To play to the live audience, I would have killed the laugh of one of the series regulars because you have to wait and realize that they're going to do a reset and cut to you. So in within the editing, both people will get their laughs. With the live audience, in other words, you can mine two laughs out of out of the way it's edited when you're doing a multi-camera show. Because the like last night's episode, the one of the characters had a very funny line. It would have been funnier for the live audience if I came in right on the heels of it, but I waited because I knew that they're, the way they were going to cut it, that they would give us both our reaction. You know, so it's like sometimes it's fun to have a live audience there, but you have to realize you really are playing for the cameras and not for the audience. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I, I guess yeah, it is for the cameras, but it's just you get you get caught up in that that you know yeah. that momentum. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of weird because they're like kind of far away in, in the dark, so it's not the same as being on stage. I, I prefer stage where the, the audience is like a lot closer to to what you're doing. But here, you know how it is when in a taping, there's like the rail and they're up really high, the seats are really high, and they're all, they're way over there. And sometimes you're in a set that has is all way over in the corner and the audience is like watching it on monitors. It, it's kind of different, but it's fun. Like it, it, it's fun to do it again. I think this last night I was saying, I think people always want to go to a live studio taping until they do go. And then they're like, wow, this takes forever. Like I've always talked to people that aren't part of the business that say they can't believe how many times people do it over and over again just to get it perfect. You know? Right. I, I was at one, um, Gary Cannon, uh, who does warm, but did warm up for Sullivan and son. And he said, <coughs> uh, you know, here's the deal. You can come to the actual taping, or but before that, we do a practice taping. And he said, you right. might want to go to the practice taping because that's going to be like an hour and a half. And the real taping is going to be right. like four hours. And we don't yeah. get that. <coughs> when we they have a very difficult job, those warm-up comedians, to keep the audience's energy up and do trivia with them and give them candy and feed them. And I mean, they really, and this show, that they had such good food on the show. Like, there's so much food. I kind of can't get over that. There's so much food. And it's so lovely. It's like being at a nice party. Now you Certain should shows. you should make doctor. You should make Ken a uh, a small platter of food like you make with your. I should, and I have to say, the little boy on that show, Albert Sai, who plays the son Dave, he he was really questioning me about my miniature clay sculpting and asking me questions. So I, I'm going to work on one for him also because people and people are just so nice to be interested in it. My mother is an artist, and she paints um, winter scenes on ornaments on Christmas ornaments, and she actually has always painted winter scenes, and they happen to look like rural Connecticut. So, of course, I sold them at the at the show, at the fan fest, and she actually painted some with, like, a church in the gazebo, like, really looked like the town of Stars Hollow, and I had two special ones. We had a, an event the last day of the fan festival. It was 1,100 people, and two of my mother's ornaments were auctioned, and they went for, like, $100 and $150. Isn't so it? I was so proud of her. That's awesome. My, my, yeah, old, my older sister... Whose birthday was yesterday? She used Aww, to. Oh, happy birthday! She used to make. Uh, they were called doggy balls, and she would get. They were. What were they called? Doggy, like a dog. Doggy balls, uh-huh. and they were a Christmas uh-huh. ball. And looking back, she would sell at craft shows, and they were very basic. It was. It was like a gold ball that looked like you know a beagle, like a color. And she would just put felt ears and felt eyes and nose and a mouth, and then she went and did cat ones. And people would buy, people buy, at craft shows, people buy a lot of stuff. They really do. They really do. That sounds adorable. But they really, yeah, Christmas, it was kind of the perfect time to have, like, be in the fall. It was right before Halloween. People were kind of looking for holiday stuff. And I think this time, the timing of this winter, spring, summer, fall, year in the life Gilmore is, like, perfect. Because it's it's cozy. Gilmore Girls is about family. And it's Thanksgiving weekend. Like, there's such, so much food in the show, too, that there, it's the perfect time, I think, to release them when people are kind of, home and have a little break where they can put all, you know, six hours of that into their eyeballs. <laughs> now, now, when you said, you know, when you were on the touring group, when you worked with Colbert and all that, did you really, do you, when you work with people like that, do you feel their talent and does it feed yours and does it yes. help you grow? Because, you know, you were all young then and you've all had successful careers, but did you guys feed off each other? I mean, and did you know, like, Chris would become what, Chris was when you were working with him then? I think I did. I mean, I was, I was telling John there was no one. You could, when you were sharing the stage with him, it was, it was magical. I mean, I can't, I can't say it wasn't. It, it really was one of those things where in rehearsal, I would look at him and go, you got to get your stuff together. You, you don't know your lines. Like, come on, step it up, dude. As soon as the audience would be there and the lights would go up, the guy was flawless, flawless. I mean, he was 
an amazing, I have chills talking about it right now. He, he was an amazing, amazing performer and very giving. Like, he wasn't one of those people that you're on stage and then everybody else has to just fade into the background. He was really fun to work with and, and very, you know, like a collaborative, like, good performer that really listens because when you're improvising, you know, that's key. You have to listen to each other. But I think that he was amazing and I, and I think Steve Colbert, one of the brightest people I've ever met in my life and really funny and just a genuinely nice person. So his success is really is not a surprise. And when I watch him, he's one of those people that could, like, read and just tell you. He's, he's so... He remembers everything. Really incredible mind he had. And I think people that came from Second City, I worked with Steve Carell, too, and I, I thought he was very special talent also. And I keep waiting for him to do something that shows off how well he can sing and play the trumpet. Carell? He's an amazing musician. Yeah, and, he, and I've never seen him. I've never seen anyone utilize that side of him. He, his singing was incredible. I always loved whenever they would um, do and make a songs in the set because he, he, um, he had a great voice. Now, what was it like working on Scandal? Because that's another show that has a big following. And I know you work with uh, Prosky on that show. Prosky was on a few episodes. Yeah. And, uh, He's great. He's such a... I, I really would love... He was Senator Gibson and I was Moskowitz, so we would be... Uh, I said that I wish there was a spinoff Moskowitz and Gibson. That's how much I liked working with John Prosky. He's, he's fantastic. Well, he's, he's such a great guy that I went to a show of his at the... Uh, uh, you'll know the theater. Althean? I can't pronounce it. Um... Him and Bill Brockchop are involved in it. Oh, wow. I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I went to a show that Prosky had. And Prosky goes into these these schools with with problem kids. And and he gets them, and they they did their own version of Shakespeare. And it was really interesting. I went to to it at 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 his theater in Hollywood. I I went to the evening evening of of monologues by these, these kids. That were incarcerated. It, it was incredible. He, he said it's so rewarding. I yeah. I went he, to the, he, I went to the last one, and it, it was just it, it's really amazing. Yeah. So now, what, what was it like being? What was it like playing a senator? Did you enjoy it? Like you know, especially now with the political climate, and you know, now, that was a little while ago. But even then, the political climate is crazy in this country. I loved it. All I want to do is get back on that show. I loved it, and I actually we did a scene, the filibuster scene in the Senate. 16 hours. It's supposed to be a 16-hour scene, you know, like the scene in the show is 16 hours, and it took us 14 hours to film the scene. So I said to John, I know what it's like to be a fake senator in the fake Senate, but it felt real. I mean, and all the things we were talking about were really things that had happened. And it was just that show. I, I love working on that show. And it's fast talking like the Gilmore Girls. The world of Stars Hollow is super, super people who talk really quickly and scandals the same way. And I, I, I feel like Ah, these are my people. When I'm with people that they say, when you after you do a take, they'll go, "Okay, now take it up scandal speed," and then that's to me just the most fun you can have is see how fast you can go. But I love doing the press conference. I, I really, really liked my character, and I wanted it to go on. And I ask people who watch the show regularly, "Do you think you know?" Just I love to get viewers' opinions. Of like, do you think Senator Moskowitz could come back? I was hoping that. Melanie would be the president and I could be like her advisor like a Huma Abedin. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone means... keeps writing to me on Facebook, you should play Huma Abedin if there's ever a movie. You should play Huma. Well, you know, you, you have you have you reached out to Huma? No, I probably should. You should. I'm, I'm sure she's on Twitter. You should tweet her. And I should tweet her and say, I'd love to play you in a movie. Yeah, and just you <laughs> might become friends and she might be able to get you Steve Cooper, you have the best ideas. I don't even think about that. I try about that, and then also because you, 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 through your career, you've always worked with a high level, high level productions, high level stars. What was it like working on the set of Veep? Because to me, Veep is such a, uh, it's such a smart show, and it's funny, and it's one of those shows where you can tell when they write it, they don't give a shit if you're going to like it or not, because <laughs> the story goes wherever it does. What's it like working on that? And once again. Do you feel like that ups your game when you work on these shows with such stellar casts? I, I really loved working on that show, and I, I love Allison Jones as the casting director for that show, and I just that given the opportunity to play another judge was so great, and I loved meeting Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She was so kind to me, and she wasn't in the scene that I was in, and that's why I would love to somehow get back. I don't think I will be on that show again, because I think, you know, it's not always in Nevada, but... Um, I think that that was my only disappointment was I wished I could have been in a scene with, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus or Dave Pesquese or, you know, Matt Walsh or one of the people that really are 
some of the people I enjoy so much on that show, Dan Beck and all that. It's a great cast. And I love the people I worked with, but it's just like I didn't get to be with the people that are like the most known from Veep, you know. Now, now how did you start? I see pictures on Facebook. How did you start this friendship with Sally Struthers? And did you ever think as a kid, like when you were probably, you probably watched All in the Family. I'm sure you saw it. Huge fan of All in the Family. It was one of the greatest stories of my life, and I think the reason I clicked so well with Stars Hollow um, people is we would have these long town meetings. If you've seen the show, it's like you know that the town meetings are a really big part of the show. And there was Sally Struthers, who I was an enormous All in the Family fan. And I remembered when Liz Torres was the upstairs neighbor for that brief time when they had upstairs neighbor Teresa on All in the Family. And I just went straight up to them and said, listen, my name is Rose Abdu. I'm from Chicago. I'm, the, I'm your biggest fan. We got along so well. They just felt like I'd known them my whole life. And I, I'd be joking around with them and then all of a sudden look at them and think, oh, I mean, I remember being a little kid. You know, and we're not that huge age difference, but they were, you know, I, I would be at my aunt's house just watching them on TV and there I was sitting with them just blew my mind so sally and i bonded and then in this new the new um four 90 minute movies we got even closer and now we see each other frequently and she's just one of the greatest she's a joy in my life she's super talented and people i don't think people understand like she's a she really travels around the country and does so many stage shows and musicals she's an incredible musical theater as well as you know straight theater actress and i mean she does so much more than just film and television What's it like when you go out with her? Do people still recognize her? Because, you know, I mean, because, you know, young, yeah. young kids now, they don't recognize him, anyone because, you know, they're young punks. But it's, uh, you know, people who watch, I mean, All in the Family, it was such a, if, if you're, you know, 40 and above, All in the Family was such a huge chunk of your life because huge. it was that yeah. time. Groundbreaking and, show. And we it's all so watched it. It's so ahead of its it. time, like amazing, amazing show. And we went to see... Um, you know, Carol King wrote the theme song, of course, Where You Lead, for the Gilmore Girls, and she was there because she plays a character named Sophie Bloom, and so it's no secret that she is part of Stars Hollow, Carol King. And we went to see the mu- the musical Beautiful, which is the story of Carol King, and Sally and I went to the Pantages to see it. When we came out, uh, it was a matinee. We couldn't move through the, the outer sort of lobby of the Pantages because everybody wanted pictures with us. Gilmore fans, and she was stopped by so many All in the Family fans. So that, it was really fun. It's really fun to go out with her. She's a riot. Now, now, do you ever think that now, because there's this new wave of Gilmore Girls coming out, that you are now going to encounter a whole new fan base and some of your privacy when you go out may change? Have you ever thought about that? Because, you know, people are anticipating this show. And the thing that happens is when they bring shows back, the people who watched it before are going to watch it anyway. But then someone yeah. hears, hey, hey, people are talking about this show. I'm, I'm going to check it out. And then yeah, they're going to yeah. start watching I haven't, it. I haven't spent a lot of time. It's a very, that's a very interesting concept. I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about that. But I think I noticed that when the press was sort of picking up the fact that we were going to start to film it in January, I noticed a lot more people recognizing me. I think when it was just in, in on people's minds from seeing it on, on different sites, I noticed an uptick in how many people would stop me and go, you're gypsy. Especially around, I take classes at a dance studio and on that street I seem to get stopped quite a bit by people in there. They're always very nice and I, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that. I, I wonder if it really will change. I think it will. I, I think I, I think it's going to change and, and I just wonder how, how the dog's going to handle it. <laughs> Monkey. We love this guy. I'm 53 years. My first pet at the age of 53. Now, what? I really, what, really, really like him. How did you decide to get Monkey? Because it's like it's funny because me and Joanne talked about you know before you know me and Joanne were together. I had cats and they passed, and she had a dog that passed. And of course, we can never have cats in our place now because even though we have two bathrooms, I would say you know we can use the downstairs for the litter box. And she's like, no, no, that's a bathroom I get ready in. How did and, and so we think she's like not until we have a house would I get a dog. But what what made you decide to get a dog? And and, and it's, it's you know John has always John Matta, my husband, who's um, a very talented artist. And I'm going to plug him right now, Matta Napkin. Matta Napkin. He draws a daily comic on a napkin. He has loved pets and dogs his whole life. The family had four, I think three or four dogs, and they were all named Rex, and they were all girls. So they would go, well, Rex Matta, maybe there were three. Rex Matta, number one, Rex Matta, number two. And they were constantly talking about Rex Matta. The whole family talks about Rex Matta. So John always wanted a dog. We've been together 15 years. This December is 15 years. And he relentlessly looked 
Humane, you know, Glendale Humane, and constantly that, that's what we did, get the iPad out, look at the dogs, and we had voices for the dogs and names for the dogs, but none of them ever, my friend Christine Agley, who has a beautiful Bernese Mountain dog, said, they have to zap you. I said, I don't know what that means. She said, when you look in the dog's eyes, it should zap you and make you feel this connection. So I would go see these dogs and go, oh, it's cute, yeah, and it never, that never happened. John's in Pasadena. He sends me a picture of this dog. Of course, he spent a lot of time in Pasadena Humane, petting the dogs, visiting with the dogs. He really was the driving force behind it. And he sends me the picture, and I took one look at the picture, and I went, this is our dog. And when I met him, I burst into tears. And that has never happened to me. I've never had a pet my entire life. I looked in his eyeballs and went, I don't know who you were to me, but I knew you before. That's how I feel about him. So he is, they told us he was six, and the vet thinks he's three. So he's somewhere between three and five, six. I don't know how old he is, but he's hes really a what? He's just laying here, oblivious to everything. <laughs> he, and I don't know what he is either. Is he a cockapoo? Is he a schnauzer poodle? I don't i don't know what he is, but I can't imagine not having him. Now, now how did how'd you get the name? Was he already named? So he came, and, and I, he didn't have a name, and he'd been in the shelter for like 10 days, and he wasn't microchipped, and he wasn't fixed, and we were like, whose dog is this? And he had no tags and nothing, and... They just found him wandering the streets of Pasadena. He had little holes from going through a fence. He had little sores all over him. And he comes home, and I thought, does this dog know? He didn't know sit. I tried every language. I thought maybe he's maybe he's owned by Chinese. So I'm Googling how to say the different commands in, like, Armenian. I tried Italian. I tried, you know, Spanish. And he really wasn't responding to anything. And I tried every name. I wanted to name him Barry because I had a friend that just passed away whose name was Barry. And then I tried to name him Nino because I thought he looked, like, Italian. And then... And I, we have, we collect monkeys. Like it started, I said, I love monkeys wearing clothes. And John goes, really? I do too. So we have like different things that have monkey art that people have gifted us with over the years. So I just looked at the statue. He was standing there. I go, monkey. And he turned around and looked at me. And he, he came right away as soon as I hit on the word monkey. So I thought, how interesting that not only is 2016 the year of the monkey, but we happen to collect monkeys. And now we have a living monkey. There you go. Now, now tell me about this Ikea commercial you shot. And now, and was it, uh, what kind of character do you play? This was a great story because I got a call from my agent saying, you, you're you wanted by a creative director at Ogilvy to be in an Ikea commercial. I said, who do I know at Ogilvy? I had friends years ago that worked at their advertising agency. They said, it's a guy who's a fan of yours. Well, I come to find out once I booked the commercial that it was a guy who was a young kid with Strangers with Candy, which is a show that I did with Amy Sedaris and Steve Colbert, Greg Holloman, Paul Donello, years ago, and I played a Spanish teacher turned uh because of budget cutbacks in the school they had to combine spanish and driver's ed so i I thought of the idea i said to the director hey when i'm talking about spanish can i use a spanish accent and then when i'm talking about driver's ed can i pretend i'm from queens and he goes sure give it a try so i did you know donde esta the stop sign eso no es eso es the yield sign so i split my character into a spanish accent and a new york accent well this guy had seen it and loved it so when it came time to do an Ikea commercial that they needed a big Latina family, he thought, well, the matriarch should be that woman that played the Spanish teacher on Strangers with Candy. So they got in touch with me. I auditioned for it. I did have to audition for it, and they chose me, and I got flown to New York to do the commercial. So I was working with the guy who played my husband. I don't know if you remember, the spinoff from All in the Family was Archie's Place. Yeah, yeah. The guy who was the chef on Archie's Place is a character. Now I'm going to forget his name. Abraham, I think his name is. He played my husband in the commercial. So it was like so fun to be, there were these really wonderful New York theater actors that were, we, we played a Latin family at Christmas time, and my daughter comes home with her new boyfriend, and it's just a very sweet commercial, and I don't know when it's going to start running, but we had a really, really good time making it. Now, what's it like shooting a commercial when you're used to these, is it a long day, like like you know you said the yeah, scandalous long things? long day. It, I think it was like eight, eight, almost eight and a half hours of really kind of doing the same little things over and over again. It's difficult. This one was, no, there were no lines, but we had to do a lot of reactions, and I, I think there's going to be music playing over it, but it, it's difficult because I, I, I don't love, because of coming from the theater, I don't love doing things over and over and over again. I mean, I really like to do a play, because you do everything once that night. You have to do it again until the next night. But to do the same action of putting down, like, you know, food on a table over and over again is not my favorite, but it takes a certain kind of discipline, and then it's kind of it's kind of challenging. I mean, you have to challenge yourself to make it fresh and new, and like it's the first time you've ever done it. When meanwhile, it's the seventeenth time you're doing it. It's a special kind of discipline. I admire commercial actors who can make get a good reaction in less than a minute. Right. I really think that's a, that's a good and interesting talent to possess. 
Now, now, when does the Gilmore Girls come out? Because we're all talking about it. When's when's the and they all come so out? November once. November twenty fifth, and I heard that it's I believe it's midnight in Los Angeles and three in the morning on the East Coast. I believe that's when they all, as they say, drop. And I heard a rumor that Netflix is already. I don't know anything about how things are downloaded, but they're already shoring up the downloads to make sure the whole thing doesn't crash from all the people trying to get it at the same time. That's crazy. You know it's going to blow up. Now, 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 do you tweet? Yeah. Do I tweet? I, don't, I do not tweet. You've got to start tweeting. No, I, I know. I've, I've been told that by people. I, I've just started doing Instagram. I don't, I, don't, I don't love the symbols of tweeting. I don't like all the at and RT and retweet and hashtags. You don't, you don't have to put I that mean, stuff. I mean, I read certain people's, but I don't, I don't know. It just seems like there's so much out there. Now, what do you but put... I, what do you put on your Instagram? I, I keep in touch with my fans during Facebook. I, 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 li- I like when people Facebook me and write me notes. And, and after there was a podcast called The Gilmore Guys, and I got so many notes after doing that show. It was really nice to connect with people that way. What, now, what, what do you put on your Instagram account? What kind of pictures? Well, I mean, from the fan fest, other people were putting a lot of pictures, but I think I have so many pictures that I'm not allowed to put on that will be a lot of fun to, to finally be able to put on there that were taken between January and May when we were doing the new the new um, Gilmore Girls. And then now uh, when does the Dr. Ken, do you know when the Dr. Ken episode is airing? In December. It's the Christmas episode. It's called the Park Family Christmas. My part got really cut <coughs> way down. It was like there were a couple scenes in the library and it was reduced to just one, but I still had a ball doing it. I think I only say like a couple things, but it was just really fun to be part of it. And, and uh, I never missed that show. I think it's really... I think it's great, and I hope I hope to be back on that show. They didn't tell me I was going to be, but I'm just going to hold a good thought that I might be able to be back into that world too. How, how do you go in an audition for a librarian? Where do you, where do you put your mind at? Well, that audition was really cute. There, there was a line; it was actually kind of interesting. There was a line that was like inspired by inspired by Hillary. I was thinking of donning the red pantsuit myself and taking a whack at the Santa glass ceiling because she the librarian loses her Santa. And she needs to uh, step up and be Santa herself. So unfortunately, that scene had to get cut. But I, um, but I loved, I loved creating a character that's sort of this librarian that's really anticipating, you know, Hillary Clinton's win. And uh, that ended up not being in the final show. But, but I really, I like, I like playing teachers, librarians, lawyers, senators, doctor. I mean, I, there isn't anything that I, there really isn't any role that I think like, oh, I would hate to do that. You know, like, I, I mean, I loved being Gypsy. I didn't love that they made the um, motor oil A1 steak sauce. Right. That was disgusting. <laughs> that was really gross. But other than that, I really never had to play something where I'm like, oh, this character. See, that's awesome. Well, you know what? Time flies. That's almost an hour, Rose. See that? It, you oh, know, my it, gosh. Time does fly when does. I'm talking to you. I love your questions. Now, now how, how do people, how, where can people find you? They want to well, send you messages if they want to see me i mean i'm on instagram rose abdu my name is rose abdu and on facebook and uh i guess i'll start tweeting i really don't want to well you yeah, think about it you know just maybe when the gilmore girl starts off do it and see you'll get yeah a lot of keep in touch with fans but i mean people can always find me on facebook and, and write me notes and I, I i do i try and write everyone back as much as i can and and people have been so nice, and really, this is the what the really fun part about going to the fan festival is. So many people came up to me and said that they loved Parenthood. So there's a lot of crossover fans between Parenthood and Gilmore Girls, and, and it was just fun to meet people who had seen my work on Bunheads and Parenthood, and not just Gypsy. Cool. Even though I do love playing Gypsy, well, I want to thank you for coming on. People, go look up Rose Abdu on IMDb, and and go watch some of her old shows, and go follow her on Instagram, and send her messages on Facebook, and watch the Gilmore <laughs> Girls. You. And follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Also, follow me on Instagram and Word with Friends. You can play me. If you request me, I'll play you. They're both Cooper Talk 1. And with Instagram, I post I post my shows coming up, what guests are when they post. And also, which you can find on my website, coopertalk.net. There's uh, 570 episodes. You can email me there, cooper at coopertalk.net. And on Instagram, I show a lot of pictures of food. Because, you know, I wrote the cookbook when I went through a health problem. It's a... Stop the salt. It's 120 low-sodium recipes, mostly cooking for one. Very easy. No pictures in the actual cookbook to intimidate you. No long list of ingredients. So if you don't have cumin, don't worry. There's no cumin in the recipes. I do cook with cumin, but I, I'm advanced now. But you can go You can go to barnesandnoble.com or Amazon and get that. Or you can go to stopthesalt.com and get it. And that way, I can sign it for you and I make more money. 
problem is everybody's buying it from Amazon.com and not making any money. So you got to do that. And once again, Twitter, it's at Cooper Talk. You got to follow me. Facebook, I'm Steve Cooper. There is a Cooper Talk radio page. I haven't updated it in like two and a half months because I do all the same stuff. So that's about it. Don't forget, go to IMDb. Check out Rose Abdu. Check out the Gilmore Girls. Send her a message. She'd love to hear from you. Watch the show. Watch all her stuff. And that's about it. Remember, I'm at Cooper Talk, www.coopertalk.net. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and you guys, you know what? Have a great Thanksgiving. See you later.